Welcome back, everybody. You have come to our Encounter with God section and Mon. Yes. The quiz. Is done, Lyle. Done and dusted. Done, gone, dusted. <laughs> Zainab snapped that sucker you see, up. It, you see, it works like this. Mm-hmm. There are some there are some students out there of the Bible who would snap this up every day if we let them. Yes. Zainab being one of them. Uh-huh. And so she's called in for her monthly opportunity to win the quiz. So good on her and congratulations. And, uh, yeah, you guys need to be quick if you want to get the quiz. So yes. make sure that you are ready every morning with your Bibles open and ready to go so that uh, when the quiz comes up you can do your research and answer it before somebody else gets there and beats you to it. Okay, so what are we studying today, Mon? Uh, the Bible, Lyle. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're still in the Book of Acts, and we're going to be here for a little bit of time longer yet. Okay, so while we are in the Book of Acts... Yesterday we talked heavily and uh, long and heavily about uh, um, circumcision. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's interesting to know that although circumcision isn't a issue now, the church still has just as many issues that we war over and we fight over and... So there's lots of really good lessons here about how to deal with uh, church politics and mm. decisions and debates and disputes within the church. I was just thinking to myself yesterday, Lyle, I was just thinking to myself how much I hate church politics. <laughs> what what prompted this? Um, or shouldn't I ask? Yeah, probably not. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Need to get time to ask that one. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, just stuff. And I guess, you know, when you're younger, you think, uh, you know, church people must be like the best, nicest people because they're working for Jesus and, you know, and they're just trying to get things done and get people to meet <laughs> Jesus and get them to heaven. And then, uh, you know, the older you get and the more involved you get, the more you realize there's a lot of church politics, which is disheartening and, and disillusioning. And but it does. Uh, it is a reminder that we are human beings, yeah. and that the church has been entrusted mm-hmm. to human beings, mm-hmm. and that human beings existed way back then in the time of Paul yeah. and Peter, yeah, uh, just as they exist today. And that one of the um, I wonder which one of the disciples one, one of the most damaging things about the church is that I'm a member. I, I wonder. You know, I wonder which one I'm of the disciples sat there way back then, listening to all this stuff, and also thought to themselves. What a bunch of lousy red tape that we have to get through just to do one little itty bitty thing. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder which one of the disciples sat there and thought that because I'm that disciple. <laughs> well, it was kind of a big issue at the time. Yeah, but I mean, kind of. I mean, I thought there was lots of other little things, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not a fan of red tape. Okay, so we were in the book of Acts. We were in Acts chapter 15. Let's turn our Bibles over to this chapter right now, and we're going to go back through and have another look at what James actually says in the Jerusalem Council. It is very, very enlightening, and a lot of people miss this point. It's a really critical point to understand, particularly in relation to eschatology. Yeah. You know what that is? Uh, Lawson taught that to me. Oh, really? Yeah. Duh. Yeah, good old Lawson. I thought I was going to catch you on that one. Theological terms. Lawson's coming back on Monday, isn't he? Possibly, possibly. Yeah, because you're heading away or something. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. You'll be glad to see the end of me. Nah. Lawson will be here. Nah, we'll see what happens. Okay, so uh, where were we up to? We were up to Acts chapter 15, Mm -hmm. and we were in the section where James was giving his 
sentence. So James is like, okay, this is what the council has decided. Let's summarize it and let's put it all out there. We looked at a number of different things here, uh, particularly in verse 20, where he pronounces sentence and says, okay, this is what applies to the Gentiles, the health laws and the Ten Commandments. Basically, he, he summarizes some portions from both of those. Um, circumcision is out for the Gentiles. But what fascinates me is the scriptures that he uses to prove his position. Mm-hmm. On God accepting the Gentiles. And he quotes from the book of Amos. Yeah. So why don't you read for us uh, verse 13, 14, uh, 13 through 16, please. And we'll review this. When they had finished, James stood and said, Brothers, listen to me. Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. As it is written, Afterward I will return and restore the fallen house of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it so that the rest of humanity might seek the Lord, including the Gentiles, all those I have called to be mine. The Lord has spoken, he who made these things known so long ago. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating of food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. That'll do right there. Thank Mm. you very much. Okay, so looking at these particular passages, he quotes this from Amos. Now, this raises an interesting question. And uh, everybody get ready to ready to give me a call. You know what our number is, 1-800-324-843, uh, because this may be somewhat controversial. Good to have some controversy. Uh-huh. And uh, we would love to hear your, your opinions and your views on this. The Bible has a number of prophecies that speak about the rebuilding of the temple. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. As a result of that, there are a number of evangelicals uh, who have united with um, you know people within the Jewish communities, both um, you know in the di- diaspora and in Israel itself, to work towards the rebuilding of the temple. Mm-hmm. There are some who would argue that it's impossible for Jesus to come back until the temple is actually rebuilt, literally in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Which raises some interesting questions. I mean, you even have uh, you know, evangelical Christians who are breeding cattle in preparation for this. You know, they're trying to find a perfectly red heifer. Um, they had one for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I've forgotten what her name was now, but they had this perfectly red heifer. And she was kept under armed guard, um, round the clock, commandos, you know, looking after her. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this red heifer uh, was, um, you know, had the best of the best of the best, you know, veterinary services, all this kind of, you know, literally bucket loads of money being spent on this cow Mm -hmm. because she was perfectly red. And then one day she got tossed out in the paddock with all the other cows because they found on her three white hairs. Oh, no. Yeah. That's so silly. But this was a Christian organization that was doing this. Mm -hmm. This was an evangelical Christian organization that was doing this. This wasn't, wasn't a Jewish thing. So this was so that they could sacrifice the animal. Because you've got to have the sacrifice of a red heifer to restart the services of the sanctuary. Okay. Okay, so the question that goes through my mind is this. In what way is it a positive thing for the temple to be rebuilt and the sacrifices to be reinstituted? In what way is that positive for Christians? I don't think it's positive at all. In what what way is it positive for the world? I think... What, What positives can we draw out of this? I think I think they might look them make themselves look like a bunch of crackpots. To be honest, I hate to say it, but okay, okay. I think the world would be like, "What you guys are sacrificing animals? Like, 
and it's supported, and supported well. by evangelical Christians. It's not going to go it's down not well. It's not going to go down well. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. That temple was destroyed by God. Mm. You know, we say, okay, the Romans did it. But Jesus, you remember, in Matthew 24, mm-hmm. prophesied the destruction of that temple. And the reason that it was destroyed was because of the blasphemy of the continuation of those sacrificial services after Jesus had died. Was there also a prophecy stating that it would never be rebuilt? No. So it's possible that they could rebuild it? Yeah. Have they made any headways with that? Uh, they built a lot of the furniture already. Okay. I saw the menorah while I was in Jerusalem. Haven't they built like an exact replica in Brazil somewhere? Possibly. Okay. There's a, there are a few replicas around the place as far as, you know, most of the exact ones are all um, replicas of Moses one. Oh, okay. Because we've got a lot more detail about that mm-hmm. one. We have a much better understanding What's of what the, it actually looked like. Remember how you and I were trying to compete to see who could be the first one to go see this one in Brazil? It's like some massive... Ah, yes. The one that you can't take cameras inside of. <coughs> mm-hmm. And we were like challenging each other to get a picture inside <laughs> of it. First person to get a photo inside of it. <laughs> and now we've just said it on air. They're going to be waiting for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is, is that an exact replica? Is it no, the same thing? No, no, not, a, not What's that close. one? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a temple um, built by the Mormons and it's built as a replica. Oh. Uh, but it's no nothing like an exact replica. It's got a lot of similarities. Okay, okay. Yeah, but it's not, not, not even close. Do any of these temples do animal sacrifices? No. Okay. No, you, the only place you can do animal sacrifices is at, is at the temple in Jerusalem. Okay, okay. Now, the reason that God destroyed that temple mm-hmm. and the reason that God tore the veil of that temple when Jesus died from the top to the bottom was to show that Jesus had fulfilled everything that that temple pointed forward to. All of the sacrifices had been fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, to continue sacrificing after Jesus had died on Calvary was blasphemy. It was a denial of Jesus Christ and a denial of his sacrifice, a denial of you know everything that uh, Jesus had done. And you know, so 40 years after it took place, God was like, okay, that's it. It's enough. You've, you've had 40 years to um, accept, you know, Jesus and the gospel and to close this whole system down and so he caused it to be destroyed You're listening to Faith FM Positively Different Radio So we've got this system here that has been established and uh, uh, or, or been done away with by God. And, and so if God has done away with it, in what way is it going to be a positive thing? for? Why, why should Christians be involved in trying to see it rebuilt? It's a sad waste of time and a sad waste of money, to be honest, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and if it was to happen, then you would be complicit in reestablishing a system of blasphemy that mm. you know, God destroyed the temple for in the first place. Yeah, God, you know, it's clearly an offence to him. Yeah, that's right. It's mm-hmm. an offence to him. And yet we have these prophecies in the Bible and there are a number of them that speak about the rebuilding of the temple. And so we have this one in Amos. Let's go over to Amos and let's read what it says over here in the book of Amos. I'll race you to find it. Got it. Oh, come on. That's just Joel, against the rules. Amos, you realize that I often get there before you do. Like most of the time I'm there waiting for you to catch up. 
Uh, I think it's because you're substantially older than me. You're <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I take it back. No, what, it, what it comes down to is that um, <laughs> you're a much better multitasker than I yeah, am. Because thanks. when I'm talking on the radio and trying to find things in the Bible, it's true. I just sit here and flick from one end to the other. And I'll be looking in Genesis and I'm like, why isn't this revelation? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because <laughs> I'm talking on the radio. Yeah, doing radio has really exemplified for me how little men can multitask and how much women can do it. Like, even when the <laughs> oh, slightest is. second task comes your way when you're on the radio like everything goes downhill for you uh-huh, uh-huh. it's so interesting like right now we don't need to talk about this <laughs> okay, okay right now i was i was I, I, i'm getting better at this mm, that's what you think i've okay. learned to reply to text messages and talk on the radio at the same time but not kind very of. well no used. not well at all yeah, not yeah. well at all it's it's i think it's tellable you can tell when last <laughs> no, no. so where in amos are we going all right so next time i'm multitasking you can call me out then okay i'll do it uh, see i beat you to it you didn't, but you haven't told oh, us I'm right where. Th- I'm there already. I'm in Amos, but you haven't told us where in Amos. That's right. That's because I was going to get there first. Chapter nine. Well, I was there first. No, you weren't. I was. I opened it to ah, chapter come nine. On. <laughs> and verse 11. In that day, see, I beat you. In that day, I will restore the fallen house of David. I will repair its damaged walls from the ruins. I will rebuild it and restore its former glory. Okay, so there's been a number of times when Christians have come to me arguing that the temple in Jerusalem is to literally been re- rebuilt here on this earth. They mm-hmm. call it the third temple. I'm not quite sure why because there's already been four. Okay. And there's a fifth, which is in heaven. Okay. So you've got Moses' one, you've got Solomon's one, you've got Zerubbabel's one, you've got Herod's one, and you've got God's one. Okay. And the whole concept of focusing on the temple here on this earth is a device of Satan to take our eyes off the real temple mm-hmm. that's in heaven. Mm-hmm. And we get all focused hit down here on this earth. Satan wants us to look anywhere but where God is and where Jesus is and to look at what Jesus is actually doing in the temple in heaven, ministering and interceding for us. Do you think people read this verse where it says that God will rebuild it, God will restore it, um, and they think to themselves, well, I'm God's hand and feet, so I must be. Oh, yeah, it. absolutely. And you can't criticize a person for that. Um, and once again, don't forget to give us a call if you've got something to share on this. We would love to, to uh, look at the Bible passages that you're going to, uh, to bring up. Uh, 1-800-324-843 is our number. Um, you can even text it through on 0491 and we'll do it as question of the day. Mm-hmm. Any verse that you want to bring up, you know, the challenge is out there. Just, just send it in, call it in. Love to hear it, love to read it. And Absolutely. love to you know, try and understand what it is that's going on here. So, um, and, and I've had Christians come to me and say, okay, here is proof. This is a prophecy that says that the temple will be rebuilt. Mm-hmm. And there are other times when people have talked about, about the rebuilding of the temple and I've taken them and read them this prophecy and I've said, okay, is this what you are talking about? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yes, this is a prophecy. It says that the temple will be rebuilt. And it clearly does. It does, yeah. yeah no question about mm-hmm. that. The next question that I would then ask after that is this. Mm -hmm. On this verse right here, whose interpretation do you want? Mine, yours, or God's? Oh, God's. God's for sure. Okay, and how are you going to find God's interpretation? Uh, Comparing it with other verses in the Bible. And also by comparing it with what God says about this verse and how God interprets it. Mm -hmm. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so if we go over to the book of Acts, we find the same verse over there. And James here, there's Acts 15, mm-hmm. James here, uh, you, you, you had your finger in it. I didn't. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm just that quick, Lyle. <laughs> Unbelievable. 
Uh, we go to Acts chapter 15, and what we find is that James is speaking, and he is speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So this is God speaking through James. Mm-hmm. And James stands up at the end of this Jerusalem council and talks about the Gentiles and the Gentiles becoming a part of God's church. And he says, To this agree the words of the prophets. Verse 16, After this I will return and build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and will build up again the ruins and will set it up. So this is what James does. Um, you know, it continues on that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, says the Lord, who does these things. James takes the rebuilding of the, the prophecies about the rebuilding of the temple. He does not apply them to the rebuilding of a temple on earth during a seven-year tribulation at the end of time. Yeah, no, he doesn't. He applies it to the establishment of the Christian church. Mm-hmm. So which interpretation do you want? James's one? by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. or mine or yours or somebody else's. I'll take the one that's written in the Bible. I'll go with the one that's written in the Bible. Yeah. So then we have to understand this and we have to ask ourselves the question, okay, why does it use a prophecy about the rebuilding of the temple to talk about the establishment of the Christian church? And this is what you'll find in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Throughout the Bible, God's temple is used as a symbol of God's church. Mm-hmm. And so this is where you've got the principle of literal local to worldwide symbolic. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, God's church was the literal nation of Israel in the local area of Palestine. Um, under the Old Testament, in the New Testament, it is the worldwide uh, nation of Israel, which is spiritual Israel, which is the Christian church. So literal local to worldwide symbolic. Uh-huh. So you've got the literal local temple in Jerusalem and now you've got the worldwide symbolic temple, which is God's church. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That's the principle that you find in the Bible. Uh Uh-huh. And if you go to Hebrews as an example of this, uh, let's go over to Hebrews chapter 12. I'm there. Are you there yet? I was putting on my lip balm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Where the Bible says this, verse 22, But you have come to Mount Zion. And the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. So Mount Zion, you know, God's temple, Mm -hmm. right? You've come to God's temple, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. And so here writing to the Hebrew people, he says, you've come to Mount Zion, you've come to the temple, you have come to the church. The church and the temple and the city of Jerusalem um, are all symbolically synonymous with each other. Mm -hmm. And so when we read prophecies in the Old Testament about the rebuilding of the temple, this is, according to James, the establishment of the Christian church. Yeah. This is why, this explains why all of those Old Testament prophecies about the rebuilding of the temple are in language that is exciting and um, glorious and triumphant and like the best thing that has ever happened. Mm -hmm. If those Old Testament prophecies were referring to a temple that was built during the, you know, for the the seven year tribulation at the end of time, where blasphemous. Um, sacrifices would take place, they would not be glorious, triumphant, positive prophecies. They would be the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
You know, the total and complete opposite. And yet you won't find an Old Testament prophecy about the rebuilding of the temple that is anything other than glorious, triumphant, uh, positive, the most wonderful thing that has you know, ever happened and been predicted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is because it is about, according to James, the establishment of the Christian church. So have you got some thoughts on this? Got some verses you'd like to share? Feel, if you feel very passionate about it, we would love to hear from you. 1-800-324-843. Or you text us on 0491-064-669. And we would love to answer your questions. We are happy to look at any verse in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely any verse in the Bible at all. Um, or even a Bible study. Just just you know, send the whole thing through. Indeed, we would love to hear from you. 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number again. Uh, we're going to have a song now. This is Ali and Leighton with the song Beyond. And we'll be back after this with our final section of our Encounter with God Bible study. Once again, that number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. You speak a word and then it's done. Who am I to question? Instructions for the dawn Feel the treasures of the sea Stars filling up the sky Cause you command they draw From the place of light That you created great Is the mystery of your ways 
Welcome back to Encounter with God. This is uh, The Breakfast Show, and you're with Lyle and Mon, and the quiz is already done and dusted, and we are straight into our Bible study in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. We certainly are. Okay, so we're going to look at, uh, we're looking at this whole uh, system here. Um, let's read on a few more verses from where we were in Acts chapter 15. We've talked about the temple and what the rebuilding of the temple means according to the Bible. And uh, we need to be students of the Bible, and we need to go with what the Bible says rather than with what uh, you know, you might, we, we might hear in church or reading a book about the Bible or listen to, you know, even what we say here on Faith FM. Mon, that's right, that's right. You need to go back and you need to just don't, don't take our word for it. Don't mm-hmm. take my word for it. Don't take Mon's word for it. You need to go back. You need to read the Bible for yourself. You should do that every time you go to church. It's absolutely If you're true. a church-going person. If you're not a yep. church-going person, you still need to check out what people say. Don't just sit back and say, oh, well, that sounds reasonable. You know, don't believe everything you find on YouTube that is about mm-hmm, the Bible. Mm-hmm. Read the Bible for yourself. If it's been presented in a, in a convincing-sounding way, doesn't, don't let yourself be convinced just because of that. Yep. Just go back and uh, become, we, we need to become people of the book. What's that saying? If you're not doing your thinking, someone's doing your thinking for you? Yeah. Yeah. That's That's a scary thought, actually. It's a very scary thought, and you don't want to be that. Okay, let's continue on here. Mon, would you like to read for us verse 22, please? Then the apostles and elders, together with the whole church in Jerusalem, chose delegates, and they sent them to to Antioch of Syria with Paul and Barnabas to report on this decision. The men chosen were two of the church leaders, Judas, also called Basabas, and Silas. This is the letter they took with them. Okay, keep reading. This letter is from the apostles and elders, your brothers in Jerusalem. It is written to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Okay, so let's... Greetings. <coughs> this, is, uh, this is a really amicable end to this meeting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. They've all come into unity. Mm-hmm. And this is how all church meetings should end. You know, we should work together for unity, and if we don't have unity, then the solution is to get back on your knees. That's right. You haven't spent enough time on your knees if there's no unity. Mm-hmm. And really, that's what you find them doing in the upper room. You know, after Jesus ascended into heaven, previous to that point, they were very disunited. Yeah. Arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom, all of these kind of things. They're meeting in the upper room. They've got some important decisions. You know, who's going to replace Judas, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, that they've got to make. And they just keep praying and they spend time on their knees until they come into unity. And I think that uh, you know, in uh, in our churches, when we have disunity, this is what we need to do. Wouldn't it be great if we did more of this? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Get on our knees and pray mm-hmm. um, for uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Okay, where are we up to? Uh, verse twenty-four. Okay, so they they've sent them uh, sent these letters to Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. So this is as far as the gospel has really spread into the Gentile world at this particular time. Verse 24, please, Mon. Verse 24 says, We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teaching, but we did not send them. So we have decided, having come to complete agreement, to send you official representatives along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are so this is a, an official church pronouncement now. Yeah, it's very official. They're like, this is this is the uh, this is the final word on this. Doesn't matter what anyone else says. Mm-hmm. This is what the church is saying. Uh, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm what we have decided concerning your question. 
for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. You must not abstain from eating food. You must. Sorry, you must. <laughs> Oopsie. You must. That was a major, major blunder right there, Mon. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. Okay. That was pretty simple, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Very simple, very straightforward. And, uh, you know, God just simply you know, uh, lays it out for them right there. And, uh, of course, the whole circumcision issue is done and dusted and gone and done away with. Is that the end of it? That's the end of it. Just like that? Just like that. Poof. Problem, problem solved. Good. Except that it wasn't. Except that it wasn't. <laughs> no, there was people who were like, no, we disagree with the church. Oh, and so they went off and did their own thing. Yeah. And Isn't that uh, just the way every time there's a, like a change or a cementing of something in the church, there's like some splinter group who's like, nah, we'll, we'll do it our way. And they that's right. And, 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 and this is something that we shouldn't be surprised at. And we should expect that whenever, um, you know, there's an official pronouncement, there are going to be those. And, and, and really this is in some ways is a healthy thing because people need to be able to have the freedom to follow their own conscience yeah, and to have healthy debate mm-hmm. because that's how we learn, you know. Um, I know that in, in, in my experience when people come to me, you know, and even if somebody was to come to me with, you know, some arguments about, you know, this whole rebuilding of the temple issue, mm-hmm. um, that would force me to study harder and deeper and I would learn more. You know, I've never had one of these discussions where I haven't learned more about God, more about the Bible, more about the plan of salvation, more about grace, more about, you know, how much Jesus loves me and cares for me and uh, is working for me right now. Mm-hmm. And so we need to approach debates and divisions like this in a positive attitude. What can I learn from this? How can this be a blessing? You know, I disagree with this person. I disagree with this person very, very strongly. But how can I turn this into a blessing for myself? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we should expect these kinds of disagreements. And it doesn't mean that these people, you know, even though they are in error, are not going to turn up in heaven because what they are doing often is from is from the attitude of, you know, the utmost sincerity, mm-hmm. the utmost sincerity imaginable. And, uh, yeah, so this is uh, um, this, this message that is going out here. And notice here in verse 28, it says, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So they make it very, very clear that this is not something that has just come from the church. Mm-hmm. This has been confirmed by the Holy Spirit, by God, speaking to them through the gift of prophecy. And once again, the gift of prophecy is probably the most important gift that you'll find anywhere in the Bible that God has blessed his church with. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about all the different gifts of the Spirit and, you know, sometimes I'll run into people who make, you know, the gift of tongues. It's just all about the gift of tongues. It's not. Yeah. The gift of tongues is mentioned in like five places in the Bible. The gift of prophecy is mentioned 530 times in the Bible. Wow, it's quite yeah. different. Paul himself says, look, this is the least of the gifts. The greatest of the gifts is the gift of prophecy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And w- as human beings, we always seem to get ourselves out of kilter. Mm-hmm. And we'll always end up, put, end up putting the emphasis where God doesn't put the emphasis, where the Bible doesn't put the emphasis, and where we shouldn't put the emphasis. And so this is, uh, this is not something that, um, you know, that... Uh, this is, this, this is not a situation where, you know, the church has made this decision without the influence of God 
and the gift of the the gift of prophecy. And this is the we need the influence of God in all our decision making, don't we? No. Well, thank you so much, Lyle. We've had a lovely Bible study today. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I do need to make a little apology as well. Uh, so <laughs> we've been telling you to jump onto our Instagram today to check out our quiz. And uh, I, I've just realized that I've been putting all the quizzes on my personal page instead. <laughs> <laughs> you did that again. I'm really, really, really sorry, everyone. <laughs> so I've been directing you to our Instagram page to check out the quizzes ahead of time. And instead... Everybody's been going there like, what? Yeah, where are all these quizzes? But they... Um, I have two accounts happening simultaneously and I flick between them and uh, I got a message from my brother mid-show and so it automatically flicked to my personal account, which is where I put all the clues. All my followers are like, what is Mon saying on her? So yeah, if you would like to follow us on Instagram, it's Faith FM Live. And are you taking random followers on your personal account? <laughs> hey, if they want to check it out, I'm an open book. <laughs> my account is Mon Mon Monster with underscores underneath. There but, you go. Uh, but yeah, we, we've got a song coming up here that uh, is about witnessing to your neighbours. Oh, nice. The Gentiles who are next door. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, yeah, listen to the lyrics of this song. They're very pointed. This is Rob as Nikki Criswell across the streets. From the heart of the Father the desire that all of the nations be saved from the lips of messiah we have the promise behold i am with you always across the streets we will go we will go we will go to the people who have called this place their home across the ocean we will fly, leaving worldly gain behind To hear the Saviour's praise away across the globe We will go We will go We are clothed with the Spirit Sent out to witness that Jesus has risen and reigns And no fearful Trembling, we go remembering the gospel is mighty to save. Across the streets, and we will go, we will go, we will go to the people who have called this place their home. Across the oceans, we will fly, leaving worldly gain behind to hear the Savior's praise awake across the globe. We will go. Lift up your eyes The harvest fields are shining, shining The time has come, let us arise For heaven's judge is soon returning The time has come, lift up your eyes The harvest fields are shining, shining The time has come let us arise, for heaven's judge is soon returning. We will go, 
have called this place their home Across the oceans we will fly Leaving worldly gain behind To hear the Savior's praise awake across the globe Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au.
Welcome back, everybody. That was Sila with Into My Heart, and Mon has just jumped back into the desk and damaged herself on the way. Banged my hand. (laughs) At least it wasn't a funny bone. Why do they call it the funny bone? It's not funny at all, is it? I've never noticed it to be funny. I just misjudged the position of the table and I whacked my hand into it. Anyway, anyway. It is time for our question of the day. Lyle. It is indeed. Let's go. Where's my Bible? Where did my Bible go? Here you it is. You don't need your Bible. It's high underneath your, yes. your study guide. Okay, so question of the day has come in. And the question is, why was Abraham called the friend of God when he was such a terrible coward? What do you mean he was a coward? You know what I mean. You know no, exactly you what I mean. <laughs> the whole thing with his sister. Okay. All right. Let's slash talk, wife. Let, let's talk about that for a moment. So here we've got the story where Abraham is on his way to Egypt. And I want you to think about this. And I want you to think of you, try and figure out if you know anyone who would act this low. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he's on his way to Egypt. He recognised that his wife, who is his half-sister, because that wasn't a problem back then. Yeah. Send me a question about that sometime and I'll share the answer with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but he knows his wife is absolutely stunningly beautiful. And he comes to her and he says, he says, you know, you're such a beautiful woman. And she's like, oh. The Bible doesn't say how she reacted, but you can imagine how she would Lyle's have reacted. filling in the blanks. Yeah, you know, filling in the blanks right here. And she'd be thinking, okay, I've just, I've just got such a wonderful husband here. He thinks I'm so beautiful. And he says, look, when we get down to Egypt, what's going to happen is that because you are so beautiful, people are going to want to have you, so they're going to kill me. And they're going to just you know, take kidnap you, you, kidnap you, mm-hmm. and, and, and have you as their wife. And he says, okay, so here's the solution, right? So this is the solution that Abraham comes up with. You know, and, and you can imagine that Sarah's like, oh, he's going he's gonna to stand by my, my side and he's going to defend me to the death. Mm-hmm, protect me, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, just, just tell them you're my sister, which was a half-truth because she was a half-sister. Mm-hmm. You see, that way, if, you say, uh, if I say, you know, we're, we're, we're brother and sister, they won't kill me. They'll still take you. But I'll be left alive. That's just such cowardice. <laughs> now, if you were a woman. Yes. And you married somebody like this. Yeah. And they came up with this kind of a line. It would be a moment of great disappointment in You would be marriage. thinking, you know what? I really know how to pick them, don't I? Yeah. Such a yellow belly. I picked a serious loser yeah. right here. Because either which way in these scenarios, I'm going to get kidnapped. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the Bible then goes on, and in a number of other places, uh, we find that you know God says, "Okay, you're going to become the father of a of a great nation," and uh, that doesn't happen. He doesn't have any children, and so then you know Sarah comes to him and is like, "Well, you know, maybe you should maybe you should sleep with my with my servant girl," and you know she's young, the servant girl, she's young and she's hot and she's beautiful, and Abraham's like, "Yep, why not?" Here's what we will do. We will commit adultery mm-hmm. to help God. It's now, that sounds like a winning solution, doesn't it? He's, he's not very good at problem solving, is he? No, he's not. And he's not very good in his faithfulness to God. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about that, imagine, it's like, how does that thought process even work? We go, I'm going to commit adultery? Yes, to serve God. Mm-hmm. No. 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 No, this is not going <laughs> so to happen. So messed up. Very, very messed up. Okay, so that's uh, that happens with Hagar, and of course Ishmael is born, and our world has been in turmoil ever since. Mm-hmm. Then God comes back after all this happens and says, Abraham, you messed up. Not going to happen that way. Sarah's going to give birth, and Sarah's like ancient, mm-hmm. and so he laughs at God. Yeah, and you're not being yeah. offensive. What, she what? was literally like 100 years old. Yeah, yeah. But who laughs at God to his face? Sarah. Yeah, 
But what kind of a person does that? Both of them did, by the way. Both Abraham and Sarah, they laughed at that. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty disrespectful. That's very disrespectful. Uh, and then you come, you, what you find is that Abraham was a bit of a slow learner. Yeah. Because in Genesis chapter 20, mm-hmm. you find the same story happening again. This time, it is Abimelech, uh-huh. uh, who is one of the Canaanites, one of the local you know, warlords of the local area. And Abraham pulled the same the same thing. You know, God rescues Sarah and Abraham out of Egypt. God has to, you know, to intervene yeah, supernaturally. Oh yeah, she did get she got kidnapped for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. God has to supernaturally intervene to rescue them out of Egypt. And after all that, Abraham goes to Abimelech and is like, Yeah, 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 she's my sister, because he's scared of his life. So why would they call this, this guy, guy a friend a, of God? This guy was a serious, serious loser. He's such a lily-livered, yellow-belly... Why is he a friend of God? Okay, continue on from there. You've got Isaac, who was a totally dysfunctional parent, um, who blatantly disobeyed the commands of God and made um, Esau the um, receiver of the birthright. You've got Jacob. I mean, Jacob, whose name is Deceiver, the story only goes downhill from there. We could we could make a long list. He steals the birthright. He deceives his father. Uh, he has multiple wives. He deceives Laban. He's a dysfunctional parent. You know, and just goes on and on and on. And yet God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God says, Abraham is my friend. And you want to know why? Why? Because God is standing beside these people with absolute pride, putting them forth as, okay, here is exhibit A of the power of my grace. I can take somebody who is as big of a loser as Abraham and make him the father of a great nation through the power of my grace, and he can do exactly the same for you. That's how powerful God's grace is. Because we're just as big as losers as he was, wasn't he? That's right. And we can be just as, as saved Jesus as he was. Jesus is my lead on my journey. Jesus. Jesus is my lead on my journey. Jesus is my light on my journey. Jesus is my safe on my journey. No one without Jesus Christ. Who will be? Who will become the king of us? Who will become the lead of us? Who will become the Savior of us? No one without Jesus Christ. Who will be? Who will become the King of us? Who will become the leader of us? Who will become the Savior of us? No one without Jesus Christ. Jesus! Jesus! Set on the light of the world. He who follow me will never go astray When I'm tempted by the devil God knows that I will take it as a temptation And try not to do it again When anyone When anyone Is joined to Christ He is a new creation All is gone A new has come Anyone, when anyone, anyone is joined to Christ, He is a new creature. Old is gone, a new has come. Anyone, when anyone, anyone is joined to Christ, He is a new creature. Old is gone, a new has come. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord.
You are listening to Faith FM. Oh, love it when they play any of Lady Smith Black Mambanze. Thanks, Shell, producer Shell. She puts those songs in to make me happy. <laughs> Mine was just sitting here with her head, head, headset on, just uh, wiggling my fingers around. Yep. <laughs> totally into the music. I love that band. It's been one of my favorite bands since I was like 14, 15 years old. Uh, anyway, we now have come to the giveaway section of the day. So whip your phones out, get the fingers. Fast as you possibly can. 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. First person to call us now will get a free copy of the wonderful book, Bible Answers. Well, there you go. Give us a call. 1-800-324-843. If you have questions about the Bible, this is a book full of answers to your questions. What yes. Kind of, what kind of uh, questions are we going to be answering there, Mon? Got a- it's like how to understand the Bible, form redemption of man, the love of God, salvation through Christ, conversion, new birth, baptism, law of God, penalties for transgression, resurrection, all this kind of stuff. And so, yeah. um, those are topics, by the way. Sure. And, uh, and, and they're short, succinct answers. Yes. Very direct. Like it's it's um so it'll ask the que- it's a very easy to read book. It just it just poses a question and underneath it just answers the answers the question and uh, and also gives supporting Bible verses. So it's very easy to read, very easy to understand and comprehend. You don't want to miss this one. This is a great book. It's called Bible Answers. Give us a call now, one eight hundred Faith FM. Okay, so if you'd like to know more about the Bible, as I've already said every day, we can, can connect you with people who can uh, and courses that you can do to learn more about the Bible. And this book is one of them. So give us a call straight away. Or we can set you up with a small group if you'd like to do the be part of the 20 million movement. Uh, studying the book of Acts, then uh, give us a call and we will connect you with a small group right there in your local area and make sure that you can answer questions backwards and forwards. But stay with us right here on Faith FM. We love your company. We have more great programming. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. There's a man going round taking names And he decides who to free and who to blame Everybody won't be treated all the same 
There'll be a golden letter reaching down When the man comes around The hairs on your arm will stand up At the terror in each sip and in each sup Will you partake of that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's ground when the man comes around? Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers, 100 million angels singing, multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum. Voices calling, voices crying Some are born and some are dying It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree The virgins are all trimming their wicks The whirlwind is in the thorn tree it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks Till Armageddon, no shalom, no shalom Then the father hen will call his chickens home The wise men will bow down before the throne And at his feet they'll cast their golden crowns is unjust, let him be unjust still. Whoever is righteous, let him be righteous still. Whoever is filthy, let him be filthy still. Listen to the words long written down. When the man comes around. Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers. One hundred million angels singing Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum Voices calling, voices crying Some are born and some are dying It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree Virgins are all trimming their wicks. The whirlwind is in the thorn tree. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In measured a hundredweight and penny pound. When a man comes around. name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him.